Sangiovese, Lambrusco, Sangiovese, Lambrusco, Aianico, Albana, Arnese, Barbera, Canaiolo, Cannonao, Carricam, Cesarese, Cortese, Cortese, Corvina, Corvina, Croatina, Crotina, Dolcetto. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Joy Livingston, and for the next several weeks, I will be bringing you some choice narrated content from the book Sangiovese, Lambrusco, and Other Vine Stories, written by Mr. Science himself, Professor Attilio Scienza, and Serena Imazio, published by PositivePress.net. To get a copy of the book, the Kindle version is available on Amazon and hardcover copies are available from Positive Press. If you like the content we share each week, consider donating to our show. Find details at italianwinepodcast.com or on our social media channels. Sit back and get your geek on as we jump into the details, stories, and science of Italian wines and vines. Pinot, le roi c'est moi. Not only does the ancient city of Autun in Burgundy preserve an important architectural heritage within its walls, but it is also probably Pinot Noir's place of origin, as seen from a document dated 312 AD. The inhabitants of the town, thanks to the Emperor Constantine, refer to a vineyard called Pagus Arebrignus that produced wines of such high quality that it became famous throughout the Côte de Nuit. The historians Gaston Rupnel describes the rural landscape of Burgundy during the presence of Rome in a 1932 volume and gives some details about the way in which that vineyard was cultivated, helping us trace the varieties that were planted there even though, as was customary at the time, they were never mentioned. The vegetation was almost inextricable, very old plants intertwined in a disorderly manner and multiplied in offshoots. This image recalls the so-called viticulture for protection, in which the vines, still with wild traits, are subjected to the first processes of domestication. On the other hand, the shape of the leaf and the seed, the small size of the bunches and the berries, the special taste of the must, are all characteristics that bring the pinot closer to wild vines. If two clues were to constitute proof, the appearance of these plants and the fame of the vineyard due to its excellent wine, these hints tell us that those vines were pinot. But let's take a step back. After the fall of the Roman Empire, a period of economic and political decline followed, lasting until the arrival of Charlemagne, who decided to reassign the abandoned lands and allow monastic orders to claim them, primarily Benedictines. Thus, the recovery of old vineyards began, but more than this, the creation of new vineyards began from the seeds recovered through the crossbreeding, wild and otherwise, achieved in the old vineyards. It is therefore likely that it is thanks to the work of the monks and their activity of selection and dissemination that Pinot Noir, although with other names, finally sees the light. 
Pinot plays a leading role in the genesis of many other important grape varieties in European viticulture. Genetics has given a name to the children of Pinot, but has not yet managed to clarify who came first, whether it was Pinot or Traminer. What is certain is that the two varieties are linked by a first-degree parent-child relationship. For a long time, it was thought that Pinot was a result of a wild cross between Traminer and a variety called Pinot Meunier, Miller in French, named after the thick down on its leaves, making them seem dirty with flour, an ancestral form of Pinot. This hypothesis, however, was subsequently deemed invalid. The fog gets a little thinner when you start evaluating Pinot's offspring. In the Burgundy region, there are 15 descendants of this vine, obtained by wild crossbreeding with other oriental varieties. Among the most important, in addition to Chardonnay, there are Melon and Gamay, but genetic traces of Pinot Noir are curiously found in Lagrain and Teroldego, typical of the Rotaliana plain of Trentino. One of the peculiar characteristics of this vine, already brought to light by 19th century scholars, is its great versatility. In fact, there are more than 50 types of Pinot, different in its foliage appearance, berry colors, juice, productivity, and earliness. Variability depends on the high frequency with which genetic changes appear in this vine, that in turn modify the expression of some genes responsible for the color of the berry. Just think of the white and gray pinot, the shape of the leaf, whole or lobed, or the bearing of the vegetation, erect or hanging. It is no coincidence that pinot, also because of its wide diffusion, has taken on many different names over time, such as Plan Vert in Burgundy, Morillon near Paris, Burgunda and Clevna in Germany, Bourgogne in Italy. The Pinot Noir we know today, however, is not the same as that of its origins. It took 15 centuries of selection to arrive at the Pinot clones that we cultivate today. The primitive forms prior to the 10th century were not very productive and were called Noble de Touraine and Salvanine Noir del Jura. The reference to the morphological typology of Traminer Savagnin is evident. With the development of specialized commercial viticulture, which took place at the end of the 17th century, forms of greater productivity and richness of color were introduced called auvernal and corteloid. In this case, the semantic reference is to Chardonnay. It was only in the 18th and 19th centuries that the types that we know today and that are classified into various morphological groups first appeared in Burgundy and then in Champagne, just at the threshold of the arrival of Phylloxera. Today, complex classifications of the past are almost non-traceable, and today's classification provides for two groups, the so-called quality Pinot Noir with low production, used for the production of red wines of Burgundy, and the productive ones, used mainly in Champagne. These are less colorful and more sensitive to the various forms of rot because of their compact bunch.
Thank you for listening to this week's installment of Sangiovese, Lambrusco, and Other Vine Stories. We hope you expanded your horizons and gave your brain cells an Italian wine workout. We'll see you again next Thursday, and remember, the Kindle version of the book is available on Amazon, and hardcover copies are available from PositivePress.net. If you feel inspired to make a donation to our show, please visit us at theitalianwinepodcast.com. Find Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Our Twitter handle is at Ita Wine Podcast. Perché la fine vuole il